Brother Gerald, terror on the devil. Hallelujah. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5. You disciples, I know your Bible's opening up there by itself by now. Matthew chapter 5. We've been studying about being disciples. Disciples, not of men, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a high calling. What a high privilege. But how about what a high price? After all these scriptures, we've seen it's a high price to be a disciple of Christ. It's not a matter of just choosing. Say, okay, I'm a disciple. No, there's a price to pay. And we want to look tonight in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is the salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled on the foot as worthless. And we taught this two weeks ago. Verse 14. You are the light of the world, like a city on the hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it can give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, say good deeds. Good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Good deeds to be seen so that God gets all the glory and God gets all the praise. Now, how many of you know it says if you want to be a blessing, it's not how you wear your hair that gives God the glory. It's not pretending to be in church and how you put your makeup on or not on. That doesn't glorify the Father. You can put all the outward stuff outwardly and be empty on the inside and lose your saltiness. It's about doing good deeds and not worrying about if people see it. But somebody who's being touched is going to see it and they're going to know that's a true believer. They didn't have to go out of their way to help me. They didn't have to go out of their way to give me a kind word or encourage me. They didn't have to receive my phone calls. They didn't have to be there for me. They didn't have to go to the hospital or they didn't have to bring me food when I was sick or going through a trial. But their good deeds is what's going to glorify God. And I believe that most of the rewards in heaven is not going to be from the preaching. It's going to be from the good deeds of the saints. Because when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. But I want to finish tonight on, on the area of salt. Because the Holy Spirit just brought me to a whole new area that I'm going to be touching on tonight. But how many of you know salt represents the life of the Spirit? And light represents the life of the Spirit. But both things are healing agents. I looked up in a dictionary, and it's amazing that there's a paragraph that big, two paragraphs for each thing about how salt and how light both can heal you. Do you know that a lot of people are sick at the end of, of winter because there's less, less sunshine, and so they're more apt to be sickly, and there's just so much healing in these agents. Well, how many of you know the church is called to be a place of healing? But how can we be a place of healing unless we are healed ourselves? And what the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me about is if we're going to be the salt of the earth and we're going to keep the flavor that's in the salt, how many of you know that both salt and light can irritate? You don't believe, uh, believe light can irritate? Well, let somebody turn the light on in the middle of the night. Turn the light on. See if your eyes can adjust real quick. Or salt, salty water in your eyes. Or when you're gardening, you've got a sore throat. It's a healing agent. You know, a lot of times we, we want the Word to heal us, but we don't want the Word to irritate us. And the salt speaks of the pure, 
holiness and purity of the Word, the Spirit, and the life of God. And we see what's happening a lot today is that the gospel is being watered down so everybody is comfortable and nobody's being irritated. But the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me that I'm going to show my people that I am sending my salt and I'm sending my light to irritate them out of death into life. And he says, I want you to go study. And you can look at this later because we don't have time tonight. But he said, go right away to Psalms 107. So just write 107 down, verses 1 through uh, verse 20. And you can go read that later. And as you know, Psalms 107 verse 19 says, He sent His Word and healed them. But when you read it all, it talks about Israel backsliding. And then all of a sudden the Word irritates them back into worshiping and serving God. Then they backslide again. And then the Word of God comes and irritates them back to God again. And then they backslide and serve idols and do all kind of things again. And then the Word of God comes and irritates them again. And you know, we want such an easy life. And they do, Lord, I just want you to speak to me, but I do not want to be irritated. But how many of you know that if you're going to cleanse the wound, you're going to have to irritate the infection? And when we're disciples of Christ and we're taking in the Word of God every day and we go to church and, and we're listening to teaching and, and we're praying, the Lord God, is, is he, His Spirit is going to irritate us out of our lifestyle until we start living the lifestyle He desires us to live. Now, as I was meditating on that, the Lord says, okay, I want you to go farther into this. Not only does my Word irritate the world out of you. But the people you quit quitting your job over and saying, Pastor, pray for me another job because I don't like the people I work with because they irritate me. Those people are there to help irritate the death and the old man out of you too. And you keep saying, pray for me another job when you need to say, the will of God be done in my life and go ahead and just irritate the devil out of me till all that is left with me is Jesus. Oh, it's quiet in here tonight. I want a good word. I want an easy life. I want a smooth life. I want everybody to love me. And I want to love everybody. I want everything just to go great. He says, if you lose your saltiness, you'll be thrown in the street. You're not valuable. Because you haven't allowed me to keep and maintain what I've put within you. And the Holy Spirit is wanting to do a work in our lives because He's coming into that work of purity and holiness with the saltiness of His Word of God. And it says He sent His Word and healed them. And it's not just to make us pat us on the back and make us feel good and tell us how wonderful it is. It's to get into the wounds where we still have unforgiveness And we still have things that we're addicted to. And that salt gets into the wounds and starts working on that infection. And we go, oh no, God, I just want you to blow. Blow on my wounds and I'm healed. He goes, oh no. With these wounds, I've got to keep packing it with salt. And I've got to keep irritating it to aliven the flesh and the cells around it so that the salt and the cells start eating the infection so that it starts getting healed. And so that when I get through with it, you won't even have a scab. And so sometimes the Word's going to irritate us. The preaching, the 
what the Lord wants to speak to us about our own lives, about what we're supposed to do. But also, how many know there's going to be people who's going to irritate us? And if you irritate me, if I irritate you, if we irritate one another, then there is something inside of me that doesn't belong. And how am I going to know what's wrong unless I'm irritated about that area in my life? Howdy doody. How will I know? Lord, show me, Lord. Oh, the Spirit of God's here. Lord, show me what's wrong with me. Okay. You're going to go to this house. And you're going to see these people. And you're going to go to work tomorrow. And you're going to love those people. And you're going to go to church. And you're not going to change this church because those people irritate you at this church and try a new church. Because I'll, if you'll run away from two irritators here, I'll raise up four irritators at the next church. Because you asked me to get rid of what I don't like and the Word by itself is not getting rid of it. I'm going to use something to prick you. Hello, church. And irritate the devil out of you. (laughs) I'm going to pour salt in that wound. I'm going to pour salt in that thought. I'm going to pour salt in that area so that you do grow and become the image of Christ Jesus. Salt is called a holy cure. And it's to kill the poison and the affection, especially of a religious spirit. Boy, if anything irritates me, is when, when a spirit of religion comes on the show. When it's not the Spirit of God speaking. When it's memorized blubberish. When it knows how to put on the tears. And know how to put on the words. And know how to bring up the memories. And know how to play church. God, I want you to know that I am going to do something tonight. Or for thus saith the Lord, I the Lord was saying to thee, thus saith the Lord unto ye, my people. And every one, they started off all the same way. Thus saith the Lord, I the Lord was saying to thee, thus saith the Lord, my people. I am so sick of this and I don't even know what I'm sick of, but I'm getting a revelation of what's making me sick, says the Lord. And everybody's going to say amen. What irritates me is that God can speak to you and you don't even have to change your tone or change your voice. He spoke through a mule. He can speak through me. He can speak through you. Spirit of religion. And we're going to talk about the light. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 3 that in the days of Eli, there was no more light in the presence of God. It says before that, there was no more word for the people. There was no more word for the people. There was no more light for the people. The prophets, the priests, the temple was nothing but darkness. And the people were sitting in darkness. And God raised up a five-year-old boy to get up and irritate the old priest and his backslidden sinful sons about the sin that is going on in the camp. 
And he, he didn't want to tell Eli nothing, but Eli says, I know God spoke to you because I can see the presence of God over you, all over you. So I want to hear what God wants you to tell me. And he says, well, this is what he's going to say. You're going to die and your sons are going to die. And Eli said, let the word and the will of God be done. A spirit of religion wants to turn the light off of the word and turn the light off of the work of the spirit and just get into rituals and get into to, uh, whatever looks good and whatever sounds good, but it's not the genuine work of the Holy Spirit. And, and the thing we've got to be careful of, we don't want to fall into the trap to where we're, we're not trying to copy anybody. We want to be genuine people who live in the presence of God as we were singing tonight. Amen. How many want to be genuine people of the presence of God? We want to be genuine people of the presence of God. And you can tell someone who's been in the presence of God, no matter how well they speak, it's just like you can tell when somebody's been eating fajitas at Las Portales. If we go eat Mexican food after church, I've got to change my clothes for that night because I'm going to smell the onions and the, the, uh, the uh, meat and everything else because that aroma gets on me because I've been in the presence of the Lord Mexicanos. Or if I go to the Chinese restaurant, I'm going to have the aroma of the Chinese upon me. And I'm going to come in saying, Shishini, Shishini, because I've been in the presence of the Chinese. Whatever presence I'm around, that aroma gets on me. How about people when they come out of the bars? They got an aroma around them, huh? Well, I tell you, you can tell when somebody's been in the presence of God, whether it's genuine or not. Because when you're in the presence of God, there's a holy boldness and there's a stirring and there's a life and there's a rest and there's a love and there's a joy and a peace. And there ain't no backing down, but there's nothing but standing up and knowing that all hell can break loose. But I know that I'm anchored on the rock of my salvation. There's something that when you've been in the presence of God. And Eli could notice this five-year-old kid's been in the presence of God. And his rebuke is sharp. It penetrates. It hurts. But I know it's God. And that's how we've got to get today. And that's where God is wanting to bring His church today. Even though the Word is quick and powerful and sharper. And it cuts. And it divides. Lord, I may leave here bleeding. But it's a healing bleeding. I may leave here dying. But it's the old man that's crying out death not the new man that's speaking life. Because we are the salt and the light of the world. Uh, look with me in 2 Kings chapter 18. I'm not going to get very... I can tell the preaching anointing got on me. So I can tell I can't go very far tonight, but that's all right. 2 Kings chapter 18. Salt and light are seeds of revival. In a lot of ways, you can see in this example, it's part of a revolution. It's part of reformation. It's part of rebellion. Just rebellion against the enemy. Rebellion against the enemy. And you can see in Second Kings chapter 18, verse 1. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hosea's rule in Israel. And he was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abia, the daughter of Zechariah. Listen in verse 3. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. That's how we want to be, amen? He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. 
just as his ancestor David did. What did he do? Verse 4. He removed. Say removed. removed. If we're going to be the salt and the light of the world, there's going to be some removing. And when we start removing some things, it's going to be irritating to some. It may be irritating to our flesh. The void we may have been pleasing because of the lack of the presence of God in our life, it may become irritated. But when we start removing some things, then we start getting the name of a disciple who is well-pleasing to God. Because he removed the pagan shrines. Then it says in the Living Translation, he smashed. Shout smashed. Smashed. I tell you, if anything's going to happen today, the church has to get alive and start smashing some rituals, start smashing some doctrines, start smashing some things that have been practicing, that has been fruitless. He wants us to start bearing fruit that remains. So there's going to be some removing and there's going to be some smashing. Somebody say remove. Somebody shout out smash. Then it goes on to say, and he broke. Say broke. He broke up. The bronze serpent that Moses has made. Don't you know that made them religious people mad? Moses made that bronze serpent. How can, how dare you? Our people got healed by looking at that serpent. This church grew because my grandmother bought that pew. This church is blessed because that brick has my great-grandfather's name on it. Moses, our deliverer, built that serpent. How dare you smash it? He says, I'm smashing it. Because instead of representing what God did, you're worshiping it as God Himself. You make your traditions take the place of God. And I'm going to break up. I'm going to rebel. And I'm going to smash up anything that takes away from the holy glory of God. I'm bringing the salt back in the church. I'm going to make the worship, once again, irritate hell and glorify heaven. I'm going to make the prayers of the saints irritate the devil, irritate sickness and disease, irritate separation, irritate division. I'm going to pour the salt inside of my people to shout forth and say the words that causes hell to tremble. But heaven to answer. I tell you about the presence of God, and I'm already getting into some of my Sunday morning message, but I hear a lot of people are getting more and more into angels. And I thank God for angels. I believe in angels. I believe it's true that more angels are being released. But I tell you what God brought me to today. He says a lot of people are talking about, oh, you're getting this angel and you're going that angel. But you've got to remember that when God said, Moses, I'm not going with you anymore. I'm going to send my angel. Moses says, I don't want to go with no angel. And I started meditating upon that. And the reason he didn't need no angel, because he says, I don't know an angel by his name, but I know my God by his name. And since I I know my God by His name. I don't want to go with no nameless angel. I want to go with the name above all names. I want to go with the presence of the God, Lord God, Jehovah, the Elohim, Adonai. I want to go in the presence of the God I know by name. Do some smashing. Get some revival going. Get some dancing and some shouting and some glorifying the King of kings and Lord of lords. Get some salt in the church. Get some salt in the home. Get the salt in some prayers. Man, I had a, I had a, I had a dream this morning. And in this dream, somebody was being fed poison. And I went to their house. And this person was getting back up, but it had been poisoned. 
And some people who had rose up against this church came and they stood on the side of me. And they were telling this person that they had poison. That it was me who was poisoning it. And they kept talking about, it's this preacher. It's that church. And they kept saying what was poisoning them. And in this dream, after they said their stuff, I turned around and with this finger, and the Lord said, it's the finger of God. I started pressing them in their chest. And when I would hit their chest, my finger would go into their chest. And the wife started backing up, and the man started backing up, but not with me, but with me following him. And my finger would go in his chest and say, Thus saith the Lord. And I started speaking the word that there is a healing word going forth. There's a righteous word going forth. There is a pure word of the going forth. The word of the Lord is going forth. And whatever you name it, it is a liar. And the finger of God was casting down the words of man that were trying to poison the system of the church. And I woke up this morning and got out my prayers, and I started coming against Jezebel. And I started coming against witchcraft. And I started coming against every word. A lion from hell and from witchcraft and charismatic witchcraft and from religion and any other thing that would try to rise up and I say, there is no way that you can rise up and speak against a pure, holy, divine word of God. But the word of God will rule and have its way in this church and every Jezebel will fall down and the blood of Ahab will be upon you. Church of the redeemed. I'm preaching tonight. But the power of the enemy must be broken. And salt has to come back in the church. Where you shake somebody's hand. Oh, got the presence of God. Hug somebody else's neck. Oh, they got the presence of God. Tell some, shake somebody else's Oh, everywhere you go, everybody in the word of grace. Oh, they got the presence of God. They got the presence of God. They got the presence of God. We got the presence of God. Oh, my sister, I see your intercessor. Oh, I see that you've been doing this. And just start, oh, just start spreading that salt around. Come to church. Not to fabricate the glory. But come to church with the glory of the Lord already rising up upon you. <laughs> Well, I didn't feel much glory today. Well, why didn't you bring it in, sweetheart? I thought that's your job. No, I understand we're all living stones. Building as an alternate habitation unto the Lord. Woo! I want to get on the radio. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Nesaton, or the unclean thing, or the snake. And he goes on to say, verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There is no one like him among all the kings of Judah. Enter in before and after his time. And he says, he remained faithful. Say, he remained faithful. He was worth his salt. He remained faithful. He remained faithful. You know he got persecuted. The Jews rose up against him. How dare you smash the serpent of Moses? How dare you smash that which we've been worshiping and our fathers have been worshiping ever since the wilderness? How dare you do this? You're going to bring a curse upon us. But Hezekiah didn't care what the people had been saying because the spirit that was upon David was the same spirit that was upon him. And now it's time for the church that the same spirit that was upon Christ needs to be inside of Christ's church. So now that the real church of Jesus Christ is arising with healing and glory and peace and power and influence. Let the salt of the earth 
does this earth need some influence? What type? What type of influence is the adults being for this generation? Kids cannot believe their parents because their parents separate and divorce. Oh, we'll never do that, honey. And they end up doing it. Oh, daddy, don't ever cheat on mom. Oh, no, baby. Daddy loves mama too much. Mom, don't ever cheat on daddy. Oh, no, no, baby. Mama loves daddy too much. And then they turn on the TV and the politicians and everybody's fighting. And adults are acting like immature babies. And this world is just saying everything they can to try to tear down the other, to make themselves look good. But there's a rising up of generations that even though some wicked kings and some wicked times and some wicked darkness has arisen in between, God is bringing up a new generation of Davids. He said, I'll raise up the tabernacle of David in the end times. And there are raising up some children that even though Saul was wicked, he was crazy, he was into witchcraft, and he was doing his thing. I'm still going to believe God that I'm not going to worry about what He has set up. But God is going to reset what He set up to glorify His name. And there's a lot of things and a lot of wickedness and a lot of lies being revealed. There's a whole lot of things that's causing this generation to say. And I remember years ago in Argentina, I was sitting in a restaurant and they played this video. They would play these music videos in these restaurants while we eat. And they played that old Guns N' Roses song. Give me something to believe in. And I started weeping as I heard that song because I knew, even though this has been 15 years maybe ago, whenever that song came out, but I knew that that is the heartbeat of the children and the youth and even the adults of today. Give me something to believe in. How can I believe adults who are fighting and feuding? How can I believe what I'm seeing in my generation? And what God is saying, don't worry what you've seen in the past generations. Go ahead and ask them to bless you anyway. Ask them to bless them with the good I've done to them and through them. But I am going to raise up a mighty generation that are going to have their salt, who are going to have the word, who are not going to be penetrated with the darkness of this world. But I'm going to rise up a generation in this last hour that's going to rise up with the sword of the Lord. And I'm going to put a trumpet to their mouth. And they're going to speak the word of the Lord. Don't worry about past generations. For as I already showed, in one generation, I'll raise up one man. I'll raise up one girl who can break up, smash, and tear up what has been around for thousands of years and bring my people right back to where I need them. To God be all the glory. Oh, hallelujah. To God be all the glory. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I see these little kids dancing up here. Those are all Davids. I see people in their seats. Those are all Davids. And we didn't get into darkness tonight. But these are the days of Daniel chapter 2. That when it seems the darkest, when we need to hear the loudest. And I'm not getting into it tonight, but just like salt has this part that irritates. You'd be amazed at the scriptures that says that God dwells in total darkness. Scripture after scripture talks about God dwelling and covered by 
darkness. And you say, why? How can that be? Because isn't it amazing? When God seems less seen and more obscure, the harder we have to focus. And the harder, it says in Exodus 20, that Moses went into the dark cloud where Jehovah was and the people feared to go. That when you go into the darkness, when things are confused and you don't quite understand, and there's a darkness there, I don't understand it. It says that God dwells within the clouds of darkness surrounding him in Psalms. Because when you get into those places where the natural eye cannot see God and things of the Spirit are so obscured and secret, the light becomes even brighter. And we go through dark times so that the light can be brighter. Because for us to be the light of the world, it's not going to be our fancy buildings. It's not going to be the fancy cars and the fancy stuff. When we get on TV... This roof right here is going to have to be painted black. We're going to have to black, have black curtains back here or special lights. Because the darker the roof and the background is, the brighter the images in front of the background become. And the darker this world gets, the brighter the saints are going to shine. i got to cut this off, but let me leave you this. I double-checked it. And you, you correct me if you find it wrong. In the book of Esther, God is not mentioned at all. Read all nine chapters. I couldn't find the name God in the book of Esther. But Esther speaks of the star that is concealed or hidden. And even though the word God is not written in Esther, God was in Esther, revealing God to a pagan Babylonian world. And the darker that the world gets, the brighter us little God's children get to shine. (laughs) Arise and shine. For thy light hath come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Hallelujah. Let's stand up.